0: Good morning. It's nine thirty-six, and it's time for the S and M show, uh, which is all about stocks and markets. What's working and what's not. And uh, today we have our regular guest, James Heyhu, founder of Pangolin Investment Management. And uh, we're going to talk about how undervalued the Malaysian market is. Uh, it remains under underresearched, and underbroked, uh, which means that you know brokers around town are not recommending Malaysia to their clients. Why is this happening, James?
1: Um, first of all, good morning. Um, I think it all goes back to 1998 um, and uh, the capital controls that were introduced then um, and the ban on shorting. And I think that, that put an awful lot of people off, off Malaysia. Um, capital controls in some shape or form still actually exist. it um, was a PR
0: disaster for was, the market. It, it was a PR
1: disaster. Um, all, everyone does it. Whenever markets collapse, governments do it and it never works. It never actually stops the freefall. You're mm-hmm. better off just allowing people to, to work out the valuations. On, I, on I'm not own. sure
0: I, I would disagree with the ban on short selling, though. Shots on shorting. Uh, don't you think that's a good thing?
1: No. Why is it a good thing? If it, if because price, things have to find their level. If, I mean, if you remember, all, all the controls which um, basically Dr. Mahathir was trying to put in to stop the market collapsing didn't work. Yeah. They just didn't work. The market went from, I can't remember what the index level was, something like 1,400 to 300 and something or 200 and something. They didn't work. They just made it worse. And they've made it worse ever since because foreign investors haven't come back. Malaysia used to be a meaningful investment in the region. Um, it, it was number th- two or three or something in, in, in the in, world. In, they, yeah, yeah, that, in, well, not in the world. Not, but, not in but the but world, it, but budget. in Asia, in, in Asia right? yeah. Sorry. One day in
2: 1993 it was – yeah. it
0: overtook uh, the New York Stock Exchange oh, that, in terms yeah, of vo- yeah. volume, but that was a different time. It was a, Di- great, day, it was a great
1: time to be broke. It was a different era, but and, and the whole place was overvalued. Money supply was growing too fast, and everything else. But it was a significant weighting. If you, when I talk about underbroke, of course, Malaysian brokers talk about Malaysia. But actually, if you go. Um, and talk to regional brokers, guys in Singapore or America or Hong Kong or whatever, they, they'll hardly talk about Malaysia. There's no liquidity in it. Um, the, 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 there's nothing re- – there's not much to buy if, you, if you're a large fund. Um, and, 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 and it's become much less important. And you'll quite often talk to a large investment house overseas and I'll say, what have you got in Malaysia? And they'll say nothing. Do you think that
0: a, a big part of the problem lies in fact that the government – happens to own a huge chunk of Malaysian stocks.
1: Yeah. And, and if you look at the, the, the top 20 uh, by market cap in this country, um, many of them, more than half of them, significantly more than half of them, are basically government departments which are listed. And you've got Tanaga, Maybank, Petronas Chemicals, Syme Derby, um, Axias is a government company, Petronas Gas, CIMB, effectively mm-hmm. government. And the list goes business. on. The list yeah. goes on and on and on. And you've got, you've got IHH in there. You've got Public Bank, which, which we own, uh, which, which is in there. But but effectively, you're not buying what I call real businesses. I mean, they're, they're not doesn't mean they're, they're particularly bad, but they get all this government support and everything else. So, so the choice is quite limited.
2: And yet there's the money to be made, James. I mean, you have avowedly said that you made the most money from Malaysia this year. Yeah. So, you know... So what if the rest of the world doesn't buy into Malaysia? So what? It's okay, right? Because you just want to make money for yourself. Yeah. Your
1: P&L is doing alright. Yeah, that's fine. So, so for us it's fine because, because wherever people aren't looking that gives us the opportunity. But we're small enough to go and buy small companies. And I think we, we mentioned in earlier programs we bought Pohwat a few years ago. We had to go down to Moa to see it. The market cap was $25 million. I remember but you, you came on
2: the S&M show sure about three years ago and you told me that you've just come from this yeah, this poky little village in, you know, in Malacca <laughs> and, I, and I pressed you for the company. You didn't want to Tell me one I think you bought it like somewhere like, two times earnings or something. Yeah, uh, it something was three times took, when we bought. Three times it. or yeah. something. Yeah. Amazing. Um, you you could have told me, James. You could have made some money, man. You know, but you didn't. <laughs> but the <laughs> thing is, <laughs> I think that's illegal in some countries. Well, of course, what whipping is. Um, but 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 the thing is li- liquidity because if you get it right. Then you get it stupendously right, but if you get it wrong, you're stuck with the stock.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't make sense to me that that a company like that is so cheap. And the reason that is is that there aren't enough analysts looking at this market. And what what Malaysia has missed out on is the alternative funds market. And this again goes back to back to 1998 when hedge funds were completely demonised, and Malaysia decided they didn't want that kind of business here. Now, when I still being demonised, still being demonised. Well,
0: whatever. They've not done very well. Yeah,
1: Um, but but. What happened is that when I started my business in 1994, I, uh, sorry, 2004, I wanted to start it in Malaysia. I, um, I, I knew that all these funds were being set up in, in, in Singapore. I went to the SC and I said, can I set up a, a boutique fund management company? They said no. And to quote the guy, he said, we don't want any of that hanky-panky here. Now, <laughs> the thing is you have a huge financial industry in Singapore. You know alter- what I call alternative investment funds. They can be long only like us. They they can be hedge funds or whatever. But that industry is there. It creates a lot of revenue, employs a lot of people, pays a lot of tax. And 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 and, and, and the regional financial centre is Singapore. It's not here. The cost advantage was always here. Now I know that last year, I think it was last year, the SE has now approved foreign-owned boutique fund management firms. I don't know if anyone's actually set one up yet. Uh, it's a step in the right direction. But because guys like us are not really here. I and mean, there are a few, but not many, and the industry is dominated by the unit trust industry. People don't bother to go and lo- find things like Pohuat until it's too late, until they've already gone up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, what, what can you tell us? What were, were the hanky panky that he was referring to the guy from SE?
1: I'm, I'm not sure, frankly. <laughs> I think, <mean>, well, probably, <laughs> is this should, reputational? probably shor- shorting Malaysian stuff. reputational,
2: stops. isn't Because H1's right. got a bad reputation well, overseas. Yeah, yeah, but actually, well, if, you, sometimes it, justified.
1: If, if you remember, they were blamed for the financial crisis at the time, and it came from that, I think, right? Effectively, the. So I I think that uh,
0: you you brought up a very interesting point about uh, the differences between a boutique fund management and the rest of the unit trust industry because – the UT industry right now is the only – one of the major options for people to invest in well, money. It's the, the only money. game in
2: town if you have an ECF yes, account, right? It's kind
0: of uh, an expensive platform as well. But uh, would a boutique platform be uh, more efficient and cheaper for people to get into uh, that sort of investment?
1: Yes. I mean, it ought to be. Um, it, it, but, but, but most investors – as you all know, are dominated by the short term, and the unit trust industry, as you say, is the only only game in town, and it's very 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 profitable because because the number of uh, players are limited, and they've allowed a few foreign ones in, like Aberdeen and a few others. But effectively, it's not a it's not a free for all, and because people people like like myself and others aren't in this country, the major investment. Decisions are taken – or the market is dominated by unit trust investors. Now, I can talk to very bright young fan managers who work for a unit trust in, in, in Malaysia, and they'll tell me that, they are, that their performance is assessed weekly and in some cases daily. You cannot make long-term investment decisions on, on that. You, you can't do it. You, you buy something that's undervalued. You want to hold it for a long time until the market proves that you're right or wrong, however it is. But – um, you, you can't do that. And that's what dom- dominates it. So these guys can't go down and, and, and buy a, a $20 million, $25 million market cap in some small town in most cases. Not in all cases. I mean, uh, some, some are different. But, but effectively, they're constrained by what everybody else is doing.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, Chong earlier in the breakfast grill you talked about uh, Brexit and free movement of capital and labor and all that uh, within ASEAN. There is supposed to be an ASEAN collective investment scheme where, uh, if I can interpret the, the rule correctly, is that uh, any fund that has been approved in, you know, any other ASEAN member like uh, Singapore or Thailand or Philippines should be good here. We should be able to, you know, buy into those funds. Uh, and that's yeah, supposed to be the CIS. But concept, uh,
2: conceptually, that sounds yeah. good from a big picture perspective, but if you don't have enough information, it's under research, you don't have enough analysts covering it, how in heaven's name are you going to buy it? But, you know, it's
0: not even that. Uh, the, this has not been implemented yet. Right? Yeah, so, why, so, why not liberalize it so that we can get onto the business of actually looking at these other funds so that, are, that are elsewhere? There are, there are right?
1: fairly significant vested interests everywhere. Right? Yeah. Nobody, if they're making lots of money at home, who wants to open the market up to foreign competition, whether that's in Malaysia or Thailand or wherever else it is? Exactly. Um, But, I mean, these guys effectively are relative investors. The Unit trusts are are, are managing money relative to to, to all their competitors. Um, And they normally have enough funds. They normally have a small cap fund, a Sharia fund, a a bond fund, a gold fund, or whatever. And one fund is always doing well enough for them to be able to market it. We've only got one fund. If our fund doesn't do well, then nobody wants to invest in it.
2: You call them closet huggers, don't you?
1: <laughs> well, they're hugging the index, right? Well, correct. The
2: index. As closely as they can,
1: just, just well, well, outperform on one or two well, bases. The, the, you're better off doing being, being kind of in line with everybody else than, 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 than not being in line with everybody else. And, 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 that, and, and because their performance is, is so short term and, and, and most investors um, invest for the short term. I mean, unfortunately, they're, they're driven by, by, by short term. Um,
0: flows. Yeah, short-term assessment of how you're doing. And I think the modus operandi is to issue as many funds as you can, let's say 80, 90, 100 funds, and have about seven or eight them, of them win awards and therefore you can go with the fact that you've won some awards and uh, get to sell a lot yeah. more funds. And a lot of these funds that are being uh, started and, and uh, conceptualized are no different from the other 99 funds Correct. that have been uh, created. It's,
2: it's quite unfortunate because a lot of Malaysians, they don't know any better. And the buying to the unit trust phenomenon Thinking that they can get a good return, but actually, the amount of money that they're paying on an annual basis just obviates any kind of, kind of benefit.
0: Yeah, we're talking about um, actually how undervalued the Malaysian market is, and we have not actually got <laughs> onto that topic. we okay. uh, were with James th- touching on it earlier. We <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> were with James Hay, founder of Pangolin Investment Management. We'll come back with uh, the undervaluation of the Malaysian market. You're with Kusuch Trong and myself, Julian Ng, and listening to uh, the S&M show, which is all about what's working and what's not in stocks and market. And we have James Hay, founder of Pangolin Investment Management, with us today talking about uh, Malaysians, Malaysian market undervaluation. And James, uh, just looking at a website here which talks about uh, valuation across the markets, across the world, stock capital, uh, Malaysia right now is at about 16 times, uh, which is slightly above the emerging market um valuation a pe valuation that is of about 14 times but certainly a big discount from the developed market and actually quite a bit of a discount from countries like indonesia um and philippines our asean counterparts um, and and you think that you know this is truly an opportunity.
1: That, that'll be an index valuation. And as you know, we have no interest in, in, in indices, right? I mean, those, those companies are large, as i mentioned before, are largely owned by, by government or, and then you've got PNB and other EPS and uh, others in there. So they're not, not very liquid. So they're not normally what we're looking at. But I think once you get away, once you get into the small, medium and smaller size companies, that there, there is significant undervaluation here. You look at discounts to net asset value in this country. Um, I always like to talk about Padini, one of, one of my, my, my favorite companies. Now, you have to watch companies. Like Bedini. it's not Nestle, I and mean, they can start making clothes that nobody wants to buy. Um, but the P is about thirteen times. The, the yield's close to four percent. The return on, invest, on investor capital is about sixty percent. Now, if this company was listed in Indonesia, or the Philippines, or Thailand, the P would be over twenty times. I have no doubt about that.
0: Mm-hmm. And why is it uh, not? Why does Malaysia not have the same kind of effect as the uh, Philippines or Indonesia?
1: Um, I, I just, I just think it's. A, 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 I think you can you can buy the larger stocks in in those countries a bit more easily. Um, Thailand's, I, I, I think, a much more owned market, even, even though actually its economy is doing has been doing even worse than, than Malaysia's recently. So, um, I, I just think there are more people looking at it. There's more fund management houses. Uh, maybe there's a different kind of investment industry there as well.
2: You know, Padini is a family company, right, James? And, and the whole phenomenon of GLC and GLC, I, I see, crowding out the private sector. Do, do you think that, you know, with, with the plethora of government companies in the, in the, in the market, that the family-owned companies are not really wanting to list their, you know, their their assets in Malaysia anymore? And by that, you know, by correlation, then fewer targets over the long term?
1: Yeah, you, you do see that. I think, I think there, there, there was, a, for a long time, everybody wanted to list. And now, now there's a, a period where you see people taking their businesses private or, or just not wanting to list. What? what What's the point? I mean, I, I think with, with the crowding out phenomenon in this country, and if you if you look at um, the construction industry, industry so much is won without open tender. You read a headline in the paper that says so and so bags job to build road in Sarawak, but you kind of know that there's been no real open tendering process. it's not competitive. It's normally a, a direct negotiation or whatever. And, I, and that's not encouraging for foreign investors. Yeah? They, they really want to see the best companies winning things on merit um, and invest in those companies. So they make them quite hard to actually buy.
0: But you do say that um, the Malaysian market is undervalued. Yeah, and because I, I,
1: there aren't enough people here looking So at it. I, wh-
0: what I'm wondering is uh, whether undervalued companies are ubiquitous or do you really have to go out and look at look, at, look for them, um, not, not throwing a stone and hit on an right. undervalued you
1: company? You can't throw a stone. Yeah. You have to do your homework, right? And as I, I was mentioning last, last time I was on about corporate governance and how bad it is in many cases. So you have to really do your homework. So something can can be cheap because everybody knows the guy – um, is, is maybe not as honest as he might be. Um, so um, th- that 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 you, you have to be absolutely sure that, that the management aren't going to rip you off. I mean, that, that well, then
2: you got people like you know the minority shareholders group who who, want the, you know, who just introduced an institutional investor code. You know the stewardship code that you have in the UK, and the big fund managers, even the, the smaller but boutique players like yourselves, taking a bit of a more proactive role in terms of you know uh, monitoring the investees, getting their word out. You know. It, it's it, at the end of the day; it's a collective approach. You it's, can't just put everything at the SE's uh, door.
1: Absolutely right. You're, de- you're dead right. And and actually, we attend annual general meetings. And if we ever ever see a, another fund manager at an annual general meeting, we are very surprised. So we do it, uh, but the unit trust guys don't bother. They really don't. I find that staggering, though. Yeah. Do, do, do I, I mean, we've we've ever owned only ever owned fifty five companies. We've done lots of research. When you look at unit trust, they'll have hundred companies. Right. When I was a broker, I would, I would talk to somebody about a stock and, they, and they, they would buy it the same day. They wouldn't have read the annual report. Now, that's not in all cases, but it is in many cases. And it's not just Malaysia. It's, it's investors in London and everywhere else. Do, they're think, too busy.
2: I just want to say one example because I had at one point in time a bit of my EPF savings into uh, one of the big mutual funds. I'm not going to say who it was no. because obviously they're going to come after me with a, with a rod. And uh, then um, you get very angry as well. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then when I looked at their reports and I looked at the holdings, the top three holdings were in their own company. So I got a bit miffed. Ah, I thought, why am I paying you fees? I have
0: an idea who You have an idea who (laughs) that is, right? They're one
2: of the biggest in town. 69, whatever, right? Um, But I got a bit miffed and I I told my my salesperson off, and till today she hasn't spoken to me, but I still still hold by my decision, right? (laughs) You're mucking about with my savings, man. You know what I mean?
0: So there you go. Uh, We've been talking about the undervaluation of the Malaysian market. Actually, it's also an episode about what's leading to, uh, factors leading to that undervaluation in the market. We have been uh, talking to James Hay, founder of Pangolin Investment Management. Uh, And now uh, just to have some rolling stones for you before the news at 10, here is She's So Cold, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast.